Hello, and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, the show where a couple of weirdos talk all about the Owl House. I'm Nobody, and joining me is the most wanted criminal on the Boiling Isles, Quill. Quill, how are you this week? I'm doing okay. Like, had a little bit of, uh, being, like, uh, pretty outward. Or, what's the fucking phrase I'm looking for? I don't know. Being honest with the viewers here, we're actually recording this on Saturday afternoon rather than uh, Thursday evening. I was feeling a bit really tired to the point where I slept for, like, basically 12 hours straight. So... We skipped it, and yesterday was my D&D day, so we can't do it then either. But whatever. It, it gives us the opportunity to uh, talk about the one thing everybody else is talking about on the internet, if we want yeah. to, before we get into it, because everyone's just talking about Legends Arceus, huh? Yeah, you're not wrong. Is it Arceus? 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 I don't fucking know. I've always heard Arceus, but I don't know if because I, like... th- I think it I think it is supposed to be that because it's like the play in Sun and Moon with the RKS system that uh, Type Null has mm-hmm. as its like ability or whatever. So I think it's supposed to be that because like it's also like a failed attempt to recreate God basically. So like that makes sense. I don't know. I just keep saying Arceus, but also I just call it Pokemon Legends because like I feel like. Pokemon Legends ever becomes like the standard for the future games, or it's just gonna stay this like side series that is always just gonna be Pokemon Legends, whatever. Right. That would be neat. I would very much like more games in this style. Yeah, like uh... it, it it seems like it is like just the evolution of the wild area, but also like good, because I hated the wild area. The there was nothing <laughs> to do in it. Cause like the wild area just ran like ass and there was just nothing to do there. And it was just like it's basically just like a big route that you just had in, in between the areas to like kind of like pad out how short sword and shield actually were in a sense. I don't know. I really liked the um, the mega dens. Yeah, I guess there was that. Like that was like the major thing in it. But like, I mean, it was just like yeah, you wander around and you still just get into battles anyway, just like normal. There wasn't yeah. anything like different about it. So it's like I feel like that was like an experiment, and this is like where they want to go with it. But I also could see them leave this as a one-off or make this be what they want to do with Pokemon going forward or some weird hybrid or keep it as its own series. Who knows? The the way they changed the Pokedex filling out in this one is really, really bad for me because having to collect a collection. whole bunch of these Pokemon, yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very much me in the same mindset I was in Pokemon Go where you just get everything, whether you need it or not, because it'll all be useful eventually. Yeah, like at the least, like it's actually like really quick to make more balls because like you only need like basic like ep- Apricorns, like he wants the apricots, because of course they had to be weird and call them apricorns and like the basic rock or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there's like a lot more technology that goes into making a ball, but at the same time, I mean, they confirm in the game that the Pokemon can shrink down, so maybe the ball is just a container and doesn't have any technology <laughs> in it. Who knows? This is also like a thousand years in the past, though. Who knows if maybe eventually over time they actually do make technological aspects of the Pokeballs? It's got a little firework in it. Yeah I, I, <laughs> yeah, I do like that, where it's like, okay, obviously they don't have, like, the light on it anymore to show that the Pokemon is caught, so instead they put a pyrotechnic in it. <laughs> but it's also good. I, I like the little firework that goes off. Yeah, it's very sweet. I mean, obviously it is also, like, uh, they had to make it be obvious that you actually had caught it, so they're like, okay, what can we do, because you won't be able to see the light, because it's not going to, like... You would have to like interrupt what you're doing to zoom in all the time if you want to see the light. So they're like, okay, well, let's have a little firework that just explodes and yeah. a little happy jingle. 
Yep. Uh, it's really difficult to get ghosts so far because you have to spend so much time filling your decks that you can't really like progress a lot of the time. You're just running around in circles trying to get more Zubats or whatever. Yeah. I, so... I, have, I have so many Starly and Shinx and Bibi already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm only like a, like, I only started like maybe two hours ago. So like I only got through the beginning part and like I'm in like the first area when you're like still like learning how to dodge and stuff and of course as soon as it's like follow ray around like ray being the dude it was just like yeah. i'm just like nope i'm gonna go in the opposite direction and look for shit because <laughs> that's how i always am in these games when it's like <laughs> i really should just stop <laughs> that that's like that's the kind of like train of thought that in my head that makes me spend 60 hours in the hinterlands but instead i wandered <laughs> off and almost got killed by a beta fly <laughs> I almost yeah. got it. It was like level twenty one. I lur- I lured it away over with one of the berries. I threw the ball. It didn't break out immediately. It didn't try to murder me, so I tried again. It broke out again. So I tried throwing one of those like rotten apricot apricorns to stun it. And then of course, as soon as it got stunned, it turned around and tried to murder me <laughs> with a <laughs> bug attack. So I had to run the fuck away. And of course, there was also like one of those like uh, they're the alpha ones, the ones with the red eyes, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. There's like a alpha uh, Luxio just hanging about too, and he's start chasing me after me as this beetle flies also after me. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get killed, but I was just like, oh fuck. I definitely saw, I definitely saw the alpha Snorlax that people have talked about in that early zone. <laughs> definitely saw that fucker and ran the fuck away from him. I've seen enough. I've seen enough uh, thirty second videos of him fucking people over. Yeah. I did uh, fight a level 30-something alpha Star Raptor, and I almost got it because it kept using Double Edge, which is a move that... Um, yeah, oh, yeah, it hurts itself. Yeah, it hurts itself. So my entire strategy for that fight was to throw out a Pokemon, let it knock it out with Double Edge, and <laughs> ball. But unfortunately, apparently it was too high level, so it yeah, still it got was... away even after knocking out my whole team. Yeah, like... uh. I'm I'm pretty I'm I'm wondering about like how like the just like level progression goes in this because it's like you know you imagine that the level cap is a hundred still but it seems yeah. like you level pretty quickly so I'm like I guess like the whole point of it is that you would be switching out your team so often because you want to try to fill out all the entries in the deck so it would yeah. not like it would like it's not like you would like get to the level cap and, and like halfway through and be like okay now what. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a very interesting game, I, and I especially just like being able to run around and just throw your Pokemon around and just see them hang out. <laughs> especially I really down. wish there was a uh, a way to get a more consistent move speed earlier in the game. Like I know eventually you can ride Pokemon, but that's not really a thing where I'm at. And yeah, having to and that, run all the way all over the place to yeah, get yeah. It, it's a, it's also just like a little strange because it's like oh, I'm imagining that like you can actually like climb stuff because it's like. You know, it's very much like kind of like borrowing a little bit of the Breath of the Wild, like world building in terms yeah. of like the environment. And then it's like, oh, I actually just slide down this little slope when it's like, I don't know, maybe I can like hit the sprint button and run up it and something. Nope. Okay. I just slide down again. I really like jumping off tall stuff. That's a new thing we can do. <laughs> yeah, but isn't there actually fall damage? Not that I've seen. Maybe no, if you I jumped don't. off something high enough. I think I did see a clip of somebody writing their uh, weird ear, or however you pronounce it, like it's falling off the cliff, and the weird ear just takes enough damage from the fall to get knocked out, and then the trainer also passes <laughs> out. 
Yeah, I, I do especially also like the uh, the remark people have made of like, oh, it's the Pokemon aren't the ones hiding in the tall grass anymore. It's you that's doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, it's a very strange game, and it's like kind of impressive because like when they announced it, it was only like what half a year ago when they revealed it, and it was like, oh, this frame rate looks like ass, and yeah, they, it, it dips a little bit, and like I definitely have seen like grass glitch a couple times, like shifting around. At, like random intervals but like it doesn't seem like it's like you know it seems like they actually like did the best they could and it's like oh well it runs pretty decently most of the time yeah i uh i can't say i've seen anything like that but yeah yeah i I noticed it like i noticed the grass like kind of like glitching a little bit during like a battle not like running around like normal Mm -hmm. so maybe that was it yeah no it's uh it's a very interesting experiment they're doing, and I'm kind of surprised that it didn't get delayed. Because when they like unveiled it for early January, I was like, "No way, is that happening?" And then it's like, "Oh, actually, yes." <laughs> well, I don't want to rain on parades or anything, but three days before the last day of January is hardly early. <laughs> yeah, uh, fair. I, I guess I meant early in the year. But yeah. Um... But did you have anything else this week, or just the one? Because uh, I that's... mean. No, it's like a lot more packing and stuff. Like I'm kind of already as packed as I can be reasonably. Like there's still like some other right. things I can pack. Like I have a big box from like back when I used to get uh chewy orders, which oh, is like yeah. a site for like pet stuff. I used to do that to get stuff for the ferrets. Like I still have a big box of that. I might be able to fit. You know what head trucks are, right? Um, don't think so. No. Dang, okay, you're actually the second person I've talked about this recently who didn't know what Hestrucks are. Like, every year, uh, Hest, the gas station, releases, like, a commemorative... It's not really a truck all the time. Sometimes it's, like, a plane or, like, a motorcycle or something like that. It's, like, they have a little whole, like, jingle with commercial and everything where they release, like, this commemorative Hest-themed, like, vehicle every, like, around Christmas time. And, like, it was just something that, like, my parents would get me all the time, like, when I was a kid, like, around Christmas time. Because, like, back then it was only, like, $20. Now they're, like, 50 because, of course. And, like, I have, like, fucking 26 years worth of these things every year. Like, I have from 96 on. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, these things are neat, but they're just kept in their boxes all the time. Just as, like, play. But also, <laughs> God, there's, like, there's a lot to try to, like, fit in for moving purposes. But I'm going to try to see if I can get them in that big box to carry them around for the move. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I've never even heard of that gas station, much less the trucks. So I, I think I think Hess might actually be like more of like a like northeast kind of gas tr- uh, chain because like I mean I grew up on Long Island, they were everywhere. So like most of my friends knew about them, except like my friend Greg who saw me with the move. Like when we mentioned the Hess truck, he was like, "What the <laughs> hell are those?" And it's like, "Well, right, Greg is from Virginia, that's why." <laughs> also, I hope my phone's <laughs> Apple notification is not p- piping up because my roommate is actually talking to me. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Do we need uh, to pause for a bit? No, no, it's okay. Like I, I just, I told her I bought Legends, and then meanwhile I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm probably gonna be able to leave the Switch out in the main room because I probably won't be playing it much after I move. And meanwhile I'm like, God damn it, I bought Legends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a neat game. I kind of already had sold uh, that same friend Greg on it because I was talking to him about it, where it's like, hey, you know, like the research aspect of Monster Hunter, it's kind of mm-hmm. like that, but an open world Pokemon. And he's like, God damn it, I thought it was free of Pokemon. <laughs> I did. Um, I started playing Control this week, which uh, is yeah, a little I, bit I, of an older game, yeah. 
Yeah, I've, I've played uh, some of that. Like, because like it was available as freebie on uh, Ichigas. I think back <laughs> in the summer, I want to say. So yeah, it's like uh, yeah, yeah, like uh, I played a little bit of it. Like, I, I like the setting of it. Like, I really like the weird-looking like building with all the stupid shit that shifts around <laughs> all the time. And I really do like the like the telekinesis powers and everything. But I really just don't like how bullet spongy the enemies are and how weak you are. Yeah, yeah. I'm at a thing right now where I have two side quests and a main quest, and they are all boss monsters, and I can't beat any of them. Yeah, like so, that. I think fun. it was like I think it was really like that first boss, like the guy who's floating around who keeps blocking your telekinesis yeah. and stuff. That that guy was just like enough to really make me go like, mm, I don't like these boss encounters in the game, like. The normal encounter is fine. Like I get that it's actually like you get like way more options. Like I had gotten the shield, but like I just like yeah. the I just like picking up shit with my mind and throwing it at people. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> I mean, yeah, because it's I mean it's always these like telekinesis is always the most fun power and anything like that. Like I liked like picking up like the explosives and everything bio shock and right. throwing people rather than just setting them on fire. Okay, so there's a thing though. Because I got it on the PlayStation 5, and mm -hmm. so it's the, the enhanced version, you know? Yeah. And I hate this because the, the variable motor vibration thing in the controller, it goes off every single time she takes a step. It's Oh, that's that's a nightmare. Uh-huh, yeah. Is there no way to just turn off Rumble as a whole? Uh, there might be, but I haven't really looked into it. I'd, I'd, have, to, I'd have to imagine. Yeah, I'd have to imagine it has to be an option because it's like I, like I mean, Rumble is always an option to turn on and off yeah. in any game that has it. I can't imagine them requiring it because, like, I I don't know how the Rumble works in Ratchet and Clank because I I don't have a PS5, but like I'd imagine that, like I know that the sensitive triggers are how they differentiate the fire like uh, options for the guns. Right. But I don't think that anything is tied to like you know the. Uh, the rumble itself and that of course i can't speak for anything i don't have a ps5 i don't know how you how the hell did you find a ps5 uh well i went on gamestop's website and i ordered one no <laughs> and i really thought i wasn't going to get one because it's gamestop so i just figured yeah they we're gonna do what they do and cancel a bunch I mean, of pre-orders but to, to be fair i actually did temporarily have one ordered but it was one of their stupid fucking like 800 bundles of shit where it's like, here's an extra controller, here's Miles Morales, here's Dark Soul, uh, Demon Souls, and like a bunch of other stuff. Here's like a GameStop gift card. Like I had ordered that like back in I don't want to say like August 2020 when they first started taking them, but then I was like, you know what? Nah, <laughs> and <laughs> that cancel is that shit. Because it's like, got, yeah, because like, because like I mean, instead of yeah. Dark Souls. Because, like, I mean, as it is, like, a year and change in, like, the only thing I'd actually want to play on that is Dark Souls. Because, like, I know everybody says Ratchet and Clank is good, but it's, like, it's still a Ratchet and Clank game. So mm -hmm. it's, like, they're, they're still, like, okay, well, that, they're cool, but, like, I mean, you kind of play one Ratchet, you kind of play all of them. Also, a lot of <laughs> stuff has come out about Insomniac since then, and them not being the greatest people. Yeah, so like, cool. well, they make video games. It's not a yep. surprise. <laughs> no, they're a triple-A game dev. But even though, like, I feel like they were more, like, B-tier with just Ratchet. I feel like it was, like, Spider-Man that really made them go up to AAA. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I played that first Spider-Man, and I liked that a lot, except for all the copaganda. Because, <laughs> God, there's so much copaganda in that game. <laughs> also, isn't, 
Isn't that the one that was the PS5 version? They like changed Peter Parker's appearance to look like uh, Tom Holland. So he's like babyface Peter, even though he's like 28 or something in that game. Um, I haven't actually played it on the PlayStation 5 version. I know they did change his face, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't I, think that that's what they specifically did. No, I, I think they definitely had, and maybe not to look like Tom Holland, but definitely like changed his face away from like looking older than he actually is. Oh yeah, no, he's absolutely like a weird young person in the new version, which I don't yeah. like at all. No. Uh like it's again, it's a it's a fun game. I really like the swinging of that, but like I I don't have the drive to play the other one because it's like yeah. So it's like I don't know. Like I know that those consoles exist, but they might as well not in my mind, just because like I see every couple days Wario sixty four posts like. Here's Sony's website taking orders again, and then 30 minutes later, he always just repeats like the same image of the game Pain from the PS3. <laughs> nobody can get these things still. <laughs> I know, I know that uh, at least at the least like the Xbox X and Cess, I guess is how you would call the Series S. Like those, I know people actually can find; they are actually more available. But also, I feel like the demand for them is kind of slower. Is like lower just because of the fact that you can play all that stuff on PC anyway. Yeah. And also, like, they don't really have, like, an exclusive-exclusive. Because, like, <laughs> even, even Halo's available on the series, on the Xbox One, right? I think you're playing that, too. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because, I mean, Halo's on PC. Um... I don't know. I, I'm content with my Switch and my PC at the moment. I definitely have to upgrade my PC. It's getting a bit slow. Yeah, that's very fair. They yeah. do do that after a couple years. Yeah, because, like, I got this one back in 2018. Like, yeah, because, like, I accidentally fried my previous PC trying to upgrade it to play Battletech. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, well, here, here, the truth there is actually I don't think upgrading it would have done anything because Battletech back then just ran like ass. It was just not a good optimized game. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I put in the fucking processor the wrong way and really fucked up uh, the motherboard by having some of the processor's uh, connectors bent and get stuck, and then it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> well, I uh, basically had to spend, like, a hundred and something dollars trying to upgrade the processor and the RAM, like, and guess I'll just go ahead and plug down another 600 to get a new PC. Hooray. <laughs> In a roundabout way, I got an upgraded PC. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would and, do and, it. And then I never played Battletech again. <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs> Spent seven hundred dollars upgrading to a new PC to not play the game that I was trying to upgrade the PC for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm an idiot at times. <laughs> okay, uh, well, I don't think I've got anything else. So, shall we jump into our episodes? Yep. It's a little bit of a weird one because we're covering three episodes today. Um, we're doing episodes seven, eight, and nine. Lost in Language, Once Upon a Swap, and Something Ventured, Something Framed. Yeah, the, re- the reasoning there is kind of twofold, mostly because, like, we didn't want to, like, separate the season finale for season one, because, like, they're kind of so intri- intrinsically, like, a two-parter. And, like, I don't think it would have been that great to do, like, season one, episode 19, and season one, episode one, back-to-back. <laughs> I think that bit of buffer between, I think, is good. Also, because, again, Once Upon a Swap is such a nothing episode. <laughs> So I keep hearing. <laughs> uh, I don't mean to keep disparaging episode eight, but God, episode eight just is not good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's jump into seven so we can see exactly how not good eight is sooner, shall we? Mm-hmm. 
So, Lost in Language. We open with Luz reading to King from the one Azura book she has with her. And so I don't know if you remember this. Like, very first second, I've got comments. A couple episodes ago, King was reading from one of those books to Torment. Yeah, uh-huh. And it was all these and those and that. Yeah, and this, this, is this is nothing like that at all. Yeah, that's my same first note that the manner of speech of Good Witch Azura is different from two episodes ago. So I guess King was just fucking around with Tenoy Ida last time in convention. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> but uh, this particular part of the book is about Azura trying to make friends with her nemesis, Hakate. And Luce is jealous of this power because she wishes she could befriend all her enemies. Uh, round about this time, someone knocks at the door and leaves a basket for Ida. They don't knock. Hootie opens up and shrieks that something's here. <laughs> And she assumes it's a gift at first, but it is, in fact, a baby, which King wants to eat. <laughs> uh, Ida says, suggests that witches did actually used to eat babies, but it's been out of style since 1693, so that's fun. Yep. Do you remember when it was that the brothers were drawn into the islands? Is that about that time? Uh, I think it was the 1600s. Let me check, actually. And continue on. I'm, I'm actually yeah. going to Google yesterday's live. It was just a brief thought. Maybe they showed I, up and convinced I definitely remember it was that. like, I remember it was around like colonial American times when uh, the curator guy does mention it. Right. Uh, so anyway, there's a note in the basket asking for Ida to look after the baby until morning, and she doesn't really want to do it. But then she finds out that it's from the Bat Queen and she'll get paid a lot. She's very excited all of a sudden. Because apparently the bat demon isn't the richest demon in the entire Boiling Isles. Don't know. Yeah, how the hell oh. is the bat queen so wealthy? She lives out in the fucking woods with a bunch of palacemen. Yeah. Also, uh, ha- how do palacemen reproduce? <laughs> They're, like, made of wood? Well, we'll can see they, in a little can bit they just, something happens. I, I, yeah, but can they, like, just carve... Babies, I guess. Like, is this like the is this like the fucking robots movie where they just build a kid? <laughs> Maybe. I've never seen that movie. I just remember them building the robot and then deciding if they wanted to make him a boy or not by giving him a robot dick. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. real like the easiest way to explain this would be to say that they didn't realize she was going to be a palisman yet. Except yeah, but, but that when she get... shows up later, you see the mark on her foot at the bottom. Yeah, we we get that four episodes from now yeah <laughs> like that is only going to be the first episode of next episode also uh i i did double check it was the 1600s when the brothers were en- entered the demon realm after making hey, nice so probably around that same time <laughs> also if i could just uh deviate real quick uh, i actually do have a note here about that date in particular okay. Let me scroll down to where it is uh where is it uh yeah, 1963, the year that Ida says b- eating babies went out of style, is also the year that the Salem witch trials ended. Oh, so interesting. Th- yeah, they didn't. They, they didn't just pick that date out of a hat. I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I wonder why that would make. Because that doesn't seem like that would stop anybody from eating babies. No, I don't think there's any corollary. I think it's really just they just went with that date because it was just a fun fact that that's when the witch trials ended. Yeah, fair enough. Also, I guess this confirms that the Boiling Owls uses the same calendar. <laughs> it's like, I mean, at the least, either probably knows like what Earth's calendar is like, but I guess mm-hmm. the Boiling Owls just uses the same. 
Either that or Ida just really internalized Earth time. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't understand Earth money, though, but she knows the year. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Luce is excited to take care of a baby, see through its eyes, learn new perspectives, but Ida makes her leave to go take a stack of library books to turn in. Uh, apparently, she doesn't want to have to split the loot with um, Luce, which is interesting. I don't... Yeah, cons- considering that Luce works for her, I don't think yeah. Luce gets a salary. I think Luce gets room and board, but I don't think she gets money from what she does, considering she's like supposedly benefiting from being around Ida to learn magic. Right. Well, that's how an apprenticeship used to go back in the day. Your parents would pay the blacksmith to take you away. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You're one less mouth to feed, so go and learn a trade, kiddo. But yeah, so as she's on the way out the door, the baby starts screaming, which rattles the entire owl house. Um, yeah, so we go to the theme song and then cut back in to a library. And the note I have here is just, I love this library. <laughs> Yeah, this library is pretty cool. It's enormous. It's, it's a library that actually it's a library that actually gets funding unlike most American libraries. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. The uh, librarian apparently has some sort of book magic that he can like I would I thought initially that it was just illusions because he was making rings that indicated books were late, but he was also making them fly around, so that's not an illusion. Yeah, well, the making the move is probably just like a basic levitation spell because he's just or telekinesis going back to control. But yeah, I, he, yeah, Does that I don't know. Get sealed when you join a coven. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I presume this guy's a member of a coven, but we never see his wrist, so we don't know. Yeah, I was kind of suspecting maybe there was like a librarian's coven or something. If just yeah, ma- magic. Yeah, maybe there's like a, one of the minor ones. It's just like bookkeeping. Oh, yeah, no, it would be like four people max. (laughs) Yeah, it's the data entry coven. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's just my life, isn't it? (laughs) That's basically been my job for the last like six years. (laughs) Just different flavors of it. So the the librarian does have a picture on his desk of Ida, and it's got a stamp on it that says her library card has been revoked. But apparently she still managed to check out these books because they are overdue, so. Yeah, maybe she uh, took them out before they went overdue. So, like, maybe her library card was revoked because she never actually returned them. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He tells Luce that the library is closing early today because of the Wailing Star meteor shower. And when she asks for more information, he very rudely suggests that she should go read a book because... She's in a library, and honestly, this dude is awful. I'm going to use this dude as a basis for a paper about negative portrayals of librarians in media. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think we ever actually get this guy's name. I don't think they ever... No, I don't think we do. (laughs) No. Uh, So Luce goes to wander around the library in a little bit of a montage, doing exactly the things I would do. (laughs) Breaking the rules inadvertently. Feed in the card catalog, which the sign says it's a Dewey Decimal System, but it's a card catalog. The Dewey Decimal System is the system by which the card catalog pieces are labeled. Um, yeah, but I mean, it, it has like a pun where it's like the Dewey Demon System or whatever. I'm trying to see if I can, so I know what that was. Uh, it's the Demon Decimal System. 
So it's yeah. like, obviously, they just wanted to make that joke, even if it wasn't fully accurate. And a bunch of books are flying through the air to their proper places. She gets caught in a floating book and starts screaming as she's hauled 50 feet in the air. <laughs> and then she just starts spying on customers as they use the internet. <laughs> I have a note here that says there is a poster behind her that says, Get Learned at the Stake. <laughs> oh, I never noticed that. <laughs> It's it's got like a, a green skinned cartoon witch on a on a tied to a stake and on fire, but reading a book also. <laughs> no, I never noticed that. So during Luce's adventures through the library, she overhears Amity reading a book called Odeman the Bookmaker to a bunch of kids as part of a story time. Uh, and basically, the plot is that we get at least is that Odeman hasn't really had friends before, but he just finished an adventure and now he has friends and he's happy and made a book about it. And then the next thing I have, this is about library organization. I'm so sorry, but this is the this is me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the, the kids section is right there, right? Mm -hmm. And the Necronomicon section is directly next to the kids' books. There is. And <laughs> next to the Necronomicon section is the manga. <laughs> yeah, like, I also have a note of that. I just, I like that somehow the Boiling Owls has enough manga to have a section for it. And then next to the manga is the Encyclopedias. Mm -hmm. So I just, oh, they yeah. did not do a good job of organizing this library. It's so no. beautiful, but it doesn't but, make sense. And hey, like the uh, the fact that the Necronomicon is right there in the kids section probably explains how that little girl in uh, season two, episode five, knows how to try to summon the Dark Lord, but she can't read. <laughs> But uh, seeing this, Luce is pretty excited to see Amity because she's in a good mood for once, and she thinks maybe they could be friends because of the book she read today. But Amity basically just says she only does this for extra credit, which I don't believe. She's entirely too into it. Oh, yeah, no, she's genuinely happy here when she's still reading to the kids. It's like, yeah, no, she, she's into this. She's not doing this because she needs to. Also, Amity Blight is not the kind of person that needs to do anything for extra credit. <laughs> <laughs> but she's the top student she's got to stay that way somehow by just doing her general workload she doesn't have to do extra credit it's not like she's making up for failing a test or something <laughs> so Luz offers to lend Amity a hand because she likes the idea of reading to kids but Amity rejects this help because every time they get near each other Amity gets in trouble true and she also yeah. She suggests that Ida fries owls because she doesn't really know what happens in the owl house. But, like, just a couple episodes ago, Ida said that the reason people call her the owl lady is because of the curse. So, I guess Amity doesn't know I mean, about that? Yeah, presumably Amity doesn't know about the curse, even though we'll also see in that flashback her parents are there the first time Ida turned into the owl beast. Maybe they just haven't told her. Yeah. But I think it's also more like, even if she does know, she might just not know what the owl house's deal is. She might just not know it's actually a house demon that's an owl. Right. <laughs> also, I mean, like, she, she doesn't know anything really about Luz. She really knows that she's a human and her name. So it's like, she doesn't know what the hell she's really doing there. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, Amity does try to leave, but she's stopped by a couple of green-haired teenagers, the most threatening force in the Boiling Isles. Um, they say that Amity should stop being mean to her friends and give her her lunch, because these are her older siblings. 
Amity claims that Luce isn't her friend, and the teens reply that Luce is too cool for her anyway, which I guess they've got some sense of cool for sure. <laughs> and I mean, I think it's just more they're just trying to get Luce on their side. Yeah. Because, like, God, I forgot how terrible Ed and Em are in this episode. Aren't they, though? <laughs> they are. They're delightful. They are such shits. I'm, I'm glad that, like, their next appearance, they're like, yeah, we we dropped that whole, like, being asshole, older siblings thing. They're just good characters afterwards. <laughs> Man, they are, such, they are such dicks in this episode. Oh, for real, though. Uh, they do refer to Amity as mittens, which, I'm going to lie, it took me a really long time to figure that out. I didn't know what that was about at all. <laughs> Oh, because it's just the first three, like the middle three letters of her name. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, but they don't mention that, so it. No, that's fair. I mean, and they, I don't think they ever actually call her Minnens again. Like, maybe they do in Adventures in the Elements, but I think maybe like only once. And that's it. <laughs> so these are Emra and Edric, Amity's older twin siblings, and they think it's pretty cool that Lucy's embarrassed Amity in the past and want to hang out with her. Uh, they say not to waste uh, time with Amity because she's not as fun as they are. They play some mean pranks in the library. Go around changing the signs and moving the books as the librarian tries to reshelve them and then moving the librarians around. And One of them falls off a ladder, so that's... Yeah, that guy's dead. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe this is why he was so mean at the beginning of the episode is to make it feel more justified that they're pranking him. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's really just that they're establishing like Ed and M being kind of dicks, and therefore you're not surprised when they go the route that they go in this episode. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, Amity apparently tattles on them somehow. I don't know how she knows it was them doing everything, but I guess she was following them. And he kicks them out of the library because they, quote, made reading too fun. That's... No, that's not what they did. <laughs> No, <laughs> they they intentionally like disturbed a lot of people in the library, <laughs> and, and screwed up a guy enough to the point where he fell off a ladder. Mm-hmm. So uh, at this point, Luce is upset because she thinks Amity's going to be even madder at her, but Edric doesn't think she is. He does an impression of Amity when she gets mad, and it's the blush. It's the blush face that's going to be famous eventually. Yeah, and I'm not entirely certain he knows what she looks like when she gets mad. <laughs> well, I mean, it, I think it is actually that she would actually get this mad, and I think it's more just like the fact that this does kind of just become her blush face, which is why Luce is also just a little ignorant about how obvious Amity is about the, her crush that she later on develops for Luce, <laughs> just because she might just always think that Amity is a bit annoyed whenever her face is red. <laughs> So, uh, back at the owl house, uh, the baby bat has been screaming for hours now. Uh, Ida picks him up, and he immediately quiets down, just really likes to be held. Until Luz pokes him, and he barfs out two more of himself. So this is the question I have. Is this how Palestine <laughs> 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 uh, Who knows? Because, <laughs> like, I mean... Who can say? Again, maybe at this point they hadn't established that the back queen was going to be a palisman or not. <laughs> Even though, again, that's four episodes from now when we get that reveal. Yeah. Oh, 
Who knows? Oh, well, I absolutely skipped over a line here. Um, Edric and uh, Emra are coming back to the library at midnight after closing because the Wailing Star is supposed to do magic and they want Luz to meet them there. Sorry, I skipped that scene. Oh, man. No, I forgot to. Luz is very happy about this because she thinks befriending the twins is a good way to get to be Amity's friend also. She is kind of inobservant. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so back to the baby bats. They start breathing fire and breaking stuff and flying around. It's just a real mess. Luce meets the twins at the library, where they use some kind of wild parchment magic to break in. I don't know what that was. Yeah, what the fuck is this thing? We never see anything like... I mean, I guess the closest we see of this again is the curse. Yeah. The Owlby's curse. But, like, we never see anything just like, here's the, the scroll that opens a door. Yeah, for... I mean, that was... Like, like, it might be some kind of equivalent of the training wands, where it's like, oh, here's, like, the magic of a certain spell is stored in here, so if you don't actually know the spell itself, you can just use this one-use thing. Yeah, I don't know. know. They yeah, slap the we, we on never... the door, and it kind of opens up like Cootie does in that first episode to let them in. Yeah. So I wonder if that's hmm. related. Who knows? We never see anything like this again. <laughs> Aside from the third scroll. <laughs> Yeah, so the uh, the Wailing Star flies by, and all the books start to glow in eerie green. And they don't think anything really happened at first, but when Luce opens a book about birds, a whole bunch of birds fly out. And when she closes it, they disappear. Because apparently the Wailing Star makes the books come to life. They use these books to do a bunch of shenanigans, and give themselves new outfits, and have a snowball fight, and give themselves word balloons from the comic books, and... I will note that this library has three copies of Snowball's A History, so yeah, people must really well, I mean, like fictional history in the Boiling I mean, most, most libraries do have multiple copies of the same book. Like, they don't <laughs> just have one of each. Yes, that's true, but not for a nonfiction book like that. Unless you think huh. Snowball's A History is just that popular. <laughs> hmm. It is. So, uh, Luce ducks away from the twins and uses the book Amity was reading earlier to summon a little Odovan. He's pretty tiny and cute. Back at the Owl House, though, King suggests inventing a TV network for children to calm the bats down. So... It's, how do they know what TV is? Exactly. Like? I mean, unless exactly. Luce... Like, presumably Luce might have taught them what TV is in, like, the few weeks he's been there, but, like... <laughs> I mean, either didn't know what the sad box that reflects sadness was mm -hmm. when he showed it to Luce originally, so <laughs> she didn't know what TV was. Yeah, so Ida pulls a knife out of her hair instead of opening a TV station, but she's just using it to slice apples, and by slicing, I do mean specifically cutting one apple in half and not actually slicing anything. Yeah, that's not really apple slices. <laughs> Apple has. Also, Ida, where the fuck did you get this apple from? Apples are not a thing on Boiling Owls normally like this, because this is a regular-ass apple. This isn't whatever creature gives apple blood. Oh. Food becomes a big thing in the season 2 premiere, and it's not here at all. <laughs> yeah, so uh, she sits on the couch and starts reading her own copy of Odebin, and the kids quiet right down. And so does King. I get the feeling she hasn't read to King a lot. Uh, Probably not, no. So back in the library, the twins have discovered that defacing the library books affects the things that get summoned, and they want her to do it and peer pressure her into it after showing her a horrible duck man. 
Uh, so they draw claws and fangs and junk on Odebin because Luce doesn't want to. They kind of force her hand. And then just sort of throw the books aside and head off to the romance section. And I did take some notes about these books. Uh, some of the romance titles include Barely a Duchess, Pride and Pythias, Nightlight, and one that's just called Ancient Texts. <laughs> um, oh, also, there is another one which gets mentioned, and it is called The Lone Witch and the Secret Room which is a trigger for a bookshelf to open and reveal a secret room. Very on the nose there, huh? <laughs> yeah, pr pretty obvious. Uh, it's Amity's little club room. She's, I don't know if the library gave it to her or if she managed to build it in there secretly, but it's where she keeps all her stuff. And the twins do not like this because we they think it's lame to hang in a library. <laughs> we actually do kind of have an explanation for the room, because like if you remember uh, in Season 2, Episode 5, Amity will mention that uh, Malthus, I think his name is, the, the head librarian mm -hmm. that's in like the Forbidden Text, he actually was the one that arranged it to make her that room. Oh, I did not remember that. Yeah, it's like a, it's kind of like a throwaway line that she mentions when she's just talking about like how she like is really appreciative that Malthus gave her that position and helped him uh, helped her make the room. Gotcha. So it turns out uh, the twins think that she's been getting too uppity, too full of herself. Allegedly, she's apparently tattling on them when they skip class and that sort of thing. So they're gonna steal her diary and post it publicly, and they claim that that's okay to do that because they're family. I'm yeah, real fucked up. Uh, like that. No, that that whole line that Ed, that M says about where her family gets tough love, she needs to learn to line up. It's like fuck no, no. Yeah. But not to get too deep into it, but speaking as a person that doesn't have a good relationship with their own family, no, <laughs> fuck that. Yeah. So in that room, Luce does spot a plaque that's labeled "My Favorite Books." And under them, there are the first four Azura books. As far as I can tell, they don't have titles except for The Good Witch, Azura 1, 2, 3, so on and so forth. Uh, yeah, it seems like it's just a number. Yeah, not a very good marketing strategy. But with them is another book with a hand-drawn cover depicting Amity dressed as Azura. This is her diary. <laughs> And just a little note, she apparently does her uh, the dates in the diary day first, because the two entries we see are labeled 6-4 and 7-4, so either day, month, or she only journals once a month. Yeah, I, I, I've tried to figure out the dates, the way that she has it there, and they kind of don't make any sense, because like, some of them are like, if you're going based on like the first number, I think some of them are from like June and the others are from December. Because, like, I don't know, like, they might just be that they're just, like, from different parts of the year. Because, oh. I mean, there is one where yeah. some people claim that some people claim it's a, uh, like, a coloring error where she doesn't have the brown patch in her hair. But it could also just be that she had her hair recently re-dyed. Yeah. That's why the roots weren't showing. Well, one of those pages that we'll see is, like, 19 over 7. So I'm pretty sure it's day first and then month. Yeah. Unless they have 19 months in the Boiling Isles. I don't know. But, I mean, we already established they use the same calendar as Earth. <laughs> they use a similar uh, calendar. <laughs> it does. Uh, so opening the book summons a little Amity who's just saying the entries, which is cute, but also entirely too intrusive. Yeah. And 
doesn't feel great that Luz accidentally sees this, even though it's happened because she was trying to prevent it from happening. Yeah. So uh, the the entry is about the Amity being upset that the twins never get into trouble, even when they're obviously doing bad stuff, and she's upset about that. She feels like she's the only one in her family who's held accountable for stuff. And they notice this. They take the book, even though Luz tries to cover it. And then they fight over it, and a bunch of pages fall out, and they all start playing at once. Right about then, Amity shows up, of course. I don't know what she's doing in the library at this time of night, but... I mean, she, she was spying on them to know they were coming back here at night, so she probably just stalked them here just to see if they were going to do any shit. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Um, yeah, so she's pretty disappointed by this. Uh, she doesn't... She says she's never really known what to think about Luce, but after this, she's pretty sure that she's just a bully because stealing diaries is bad. Uh, the twins basically just leave. They want to go goblin tipping, and they ask Luce to join them. She doesn't because she wants to fix this situation, but like... Yeah, uh, uh, sorry to interrupt. Are goblins demons? Are goblins a separate thing? A separate species? I have no idea. <laughs> What's that? Because if they're demons, that's very disrespectful because they're sentient beings, unless they're, like, you know, beast demons. <laughs> but still, like, if they're bipedal or uh, bug demons, then it's like, that's that's just living people. Yeah, see, that's exactly the thing. Because normally you would go cow tipping, and cows are, I mean, you know, quadrupedal, so are goblins here yeah. four-legged? Also, also, yeah, who knows? <laughs> But, uh, I mean, it's it's just like little things like that. Like I know the next episode has like a bit about like a joke about elves, and it's like are elves also demons? Who knows? Pointing <laughs> <laughs> out early on doesn't make a lot of sense at times. That is fair. We do get a little note here. Um, as they're leaving, Emma definitely calls Luce a cutie, and she. I think this is our first bisexual blush from Luce. So. <laughs> Uh, she, she did an earlier one, actually, when uh, Edric winked at her at some point. She did also blush then. <laughs> but yeah, like, th this is, like, the first uh, foreshadowing here, because she does blush at both of them. Like, I wouldn't say, like, being, like, flirty, but it's, like, just, like, you know, just Edric giving the little wink yeah. and, and calling her, like... Because, like, I think Ed and them are only, like, 16, so they're, like, only two years older than Luke, right. I'm pretty sure. And Amity as well, so it's, like, it's not too... It's not like it's like they're like 20 or something. <laughs> it still feels a bit strange, but it's like, I think it is just more like them being a bit playful. And it's like, yeah, no, it gives us our first glimpse here that Amity, and uh, not Amity, uh, loses by. I think her type is just people with green hair. There's probably a word for that. <laughs> I mean, I mean the, the joke is that uh, Luce is a light sexual, so maybe there's that. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, Amity, or sorry, Luce heads off to try and talk things out with Amity, but Odebin shows up, and he's big and evil now, and the book is, like, embedded into his chest. Super weird. He grabs Amity and runs off back to the children's room, where he has assembled an enormous book that is entirely blank. Uh, he tries to sew Amity into the book with his um, bookmaking tools. He wants to make her his friend forever. And when he does, she starts turning 2D at the parts that he sews down. It's very creepy. I do not like this at all. No, it's it's very fucked up if this were to happen in real life of like, oh god, I'm now being converted into a second dimension <laughs> in the book. Yeah. 
But he only gets the one arm done before Luce shows up in Azura's outfit, and she's using Amity's diary. She's drawing stuff in it so she can summon it and use it, including a little chibi Amity face going, wow, when she <laughs> yep. sees Luce. I, I, I do also have that to note. Like, I, I, I just love that both of these are just two OC dorks that just love drawing themselves as Azura. And the, 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 time, the fact that Luce just took the time to do those little Amity saying, wow, yeah. is like, Luce, there are, there are more pressing matters than you drawing Amity being impressed. <laughs> <laughs> But Luz would do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she would. So she tries to use Azura's staff to uh, bunk Odomin the way she's seen Ida do so many times. But he just kind of grabs it and throws it away, and then closes the diary, so all that stuff goes away. And he starts to sew Luz in, too. They've each got one arm sewn down, but they can still move around, so Luz tips over the giant book to hit him with it, and they scuttle away like some kind of weird turtle. And uh, Amity asks what the plan is, and is very amused to find out that there isn't one. She, this is apparently funny. <laughs> but uh, she manages to pull herself free as Odobin takes the book back, and while he's sewing loose down, he gets everything but her head. It's awful. I hate it so much. Mm -hmm. But Amity hits him with a full library cart, at which point she writes in the book that Luce has to write a wrong, and gets a magic eraser. This is used to fix the graffiti, and Odobin is better. He's tiny and small again. He's tiny and cute again. Tiny and small, honestly. Um, he apologizes very much, and she says it's okay that they're still friends. Amity does. And as they leave, Amity says they're never going to talk about this. <laughs> At which point, Luce offers to let her borrow the Good Witch Azura number 5, since she only has the first four. Very convenient that number 5 is the one that came through the portal with her. Uh, I think it's, I think it might be a bit implied that that's like the only like recent release, which is why there just are no copies on the Boiling Isles yet. That would make sense. I don't know how stuff gets over here anyway, so... Uh, I mean, we do get glimpses of it just because, like, I mean, we see that bit of, like, the box of, like, human trash in air quotes, which has the books in, uh, Lost in, not Lost in, uh, Through the Looking Glass Ruins, I think mm -hmm. it is. We get, like, there's, like, an article that Luce goes by that mentions that. So I think it is just because it's, like, you know, stuff of, like, whenever Titan's blood, like, drops in the water and creates temporary portals between the human realm and the demon realm. Interesting. I think it's, like, I guess somebody just, like, littered a bunch of Azura books in <laughs> in a lake and so it just drifted over. Yeah, so uh, Amity takes the book and leaves and before she does she says that she doesn't think Luce is a bully after all but she doesn't really know how to feel about her. But also she hasn't been very nice either and she needs to think about that. So arriving back at the Owl House, Ida, King, and the babies are all cuddled up and asleep on the couch. And the Bat Queen arrives. She doesn't fit through the door super well, but there she is. She just whistles and all the babies go back to her, even the ones that weren't there when she dropped them off. She does not seem surprised that there are three. Yeah, she. I don't know. I feel like she knew this was going to happen. That's why she dropped them off. <laughs> and she just barfs up a treasure chest, along with a skull-shaped whistle, and leaves. Uh, Ida wakes up and panics that the babies are gone, and is kind of disappointed when Luce mimes that they left. I don't know why Luce mimes this, but she does. 
Because Luce is the kind of kid who would just do that rather than just say. <laughs> uh, apparently. I mean, we do we do have confirmation that Luce is neurodivergent, so it's like, yeah, she, she might just be that kind of person that would do that instead. <laughs> just because just that's what she wants to do at times. That's reasonable. But yeah, apparently Ida named one of these kids Junior and taught him to pit blocks, even though they don't have thumbs or hands. <laughs> Uh, she's a little upset by the loss of the kids, which is a surprise to her, but Luce kind of anticipated this and got her a book, uh, Coping with Empty Nest Syndrome. And the note I have is, get it? Because she sleeps in a nest. Oh, goddammit. <laughs> didn't think about that. And then they end by being mean to Hootie for no reason, and that's the end of my episode. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, we kind of already hit like most of the notes that I had in that one. I, I do have a few other ones here. Uh, let me see. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so this is just a little thing that I remember seeing in one of Rebecca Rose's early videos about uh, this episode in particular, or rather just the relationship between Luce and Amity early on. But when you see Amity like slightly raise her hand when Luce walks away after she tells her to go away, it's that little bit of like, oh, like Amity actually does acknowledge that she's not the friendliest person, that she actually does want to stop Luce from walking away, but just can't bring herself to do it just yet. And I, I just like that little observation that it's like, yeah, she just has that slight little raise of her hand, but she doesn't act on it. <laughs> it's a nice little like foreshadowing of the end of the episode when she actually does straight up admit like, yeah, I, I need to think about how I've been treating you a little bit. <laughs> Oh, yes, uh, I just, just funny little note here. I've definitely gotten a lot of use of the Amity being so mad she almost passes out GIF in Discord in relation to a lot of the last year in particular. Because <laughs> it, it's just an evergreen uh, GIF, much like the one how our, our friend has the, uh, the uh, uh, you know, taking out the knife GIF as their <laughs> profile picture. <laughs> and, uh, nice. yep. Uh, uh, I think I don't actually have much else. Uh, I mean, I, I do also like the fact that, like, even though Luce really doesn't have many reasons to stop them from reading the diary to protect Amity's privacy, she still does actually stand up to the mean kids to prevent that from happening. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Also, I forgot that Luce does indirectly call Amity a goth in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Well, as we'll see, that's not quite true, but... No, I mean, it's really just, like, the black nail polish and the aloof attitude, I think. Because, I mean, like, it's not like Ebony has, like, a bunch of piercings and, like, black hair or anything. Or just... I mean, I guess she does dress, like, mostly in all black in her casual outfit, <laughs> except for the red leggings. I guess you can be a, a exercise goth. Yeah. And, uh... Oh, uh... Did you also caught the like the joke they're going for with Odebin's name, right? I uh, can't say that I did. It, it's some letters rearranged around from Obtain because he wants friends. Huh. Yeah, that's that's all it really is. It's just like the like the few middle letters are just whisked around. Well, okay. Uh, yeah. Also, I don't remember the Bat Queen talking with this like heavy Italian accent here. <laughs> Because, like, I actually, I actually looked it up. Her, like, voice actress is Italian. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, I, I don't remember her, like, being, 
like with like that using that dialect in the other two episodes when the back scene shows up. Yeah. Like we'll have to. I'll, I'll have to like pay more attention to episodes ten and season two episode six when she shows up again. But I don't remember her talking in like a whole like yee yee like mama is I. I don't remember her talking like that. <laughs> it was definitely a surprise for me as well. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a little strange. Yeah, no, that's kind of all I have on that one that we haven't already covered. Yeah, it's a good it's a good episode, and it's the first glimpse of Lumity being canon. I guess in a sense, like we don't get any blush, but we definitely do get like Amity like smiling and laughing at like at Luce just being a dork, <laughs> putting up with her. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's our first episode done, and we are already at an hour. Hope you fans like a long one. Yeah. Oh boy. I mean, we did talk for like twenty minutes mostly about Pokemon. <laughs> So yeah, uh, Once Upon a Swap opens up on Ida's human collectible stand once again, with King trying to just jump up and read some like one of those like flag decoration lines, but can't just because he's too short. And meanwhile, Luce is just uh, using light clips to decorate the display to just make it draw more customers, even though that's very much going to draw the cops to Ida's stand. <laughs> Uh, while they do that, uh, Basha and the Mean Kids, without Amity, I don't know who this green-haired kid is, but yeah, I don't think he gets named, ever. Uh, I don't think he also shows up again, I don't remember. But like they show up and to make fun of the stand. Luce, King, and Nita all hate Basha for being a shitty teenager, which, hey, so. <laughs> Uh, Ida sees the sign that Luce made and decides to tear it down because it would just it mean directly point to her being right there and make it obvious for the cops. Mm-hmm. Uh, then basically they all just get into like a little bit of an argument just over who has a harder life with Luce having teen drama with people like Basha either being a wanted criminal or King being a short spoiled baby, as I described it. <laughs> I do like. Um, uh, I just have to make a note because there are so few things in this episode. I really like Ida. Oh, yes. Yeah. Which one? Uh, she jumps out to Basha to show off human fat. Oh, oh yeah. Th- th- yeah. I think I actually saw somebody cosplay as... I think I saw somebody cosplay as Ida's outfit that she keeps <laughs> with all the collectibles of the human realm. I'll have to see if I can find that again. <laughs> yeah, like, this is, nothing happens in this episode. But yeah, uh, Ida decides to... Like, go ahead with body swap magic to put them in different people's bodies just to be like, okay, who has the harder life? This results in Luce being put in her body, either being put in King's body, and the one that I just can't get over is the fact that King is put in Luce's body, which I feel like King being an 8-year-old little kid being in the body of a 14-year-old teenage girl could probably lead to all sorts of bad shit if this was not like, the pure good franchise that is the Owl House. Uh, I mean, body swap stuff never really goes hard on it, you know? No, no, but it's, I, I just remember, like, seeing, like, I've never seen, uh, is it Yorlai, that anime movie with, like, the boy and the girl whose body switch? Um, Call Me By Your Name, I think. Or whatever it is. I just remember seeing a bit of that where the boy wakes up in the girl's body and he immediately just checks out her tits. And it's like, no, please don't. <laughs> Eh, whatever. This is not that kind of series. But yeah, no, uh, they basically just come with a bargain of whoever is figured out to have the easiest life has to be on house cleaning duty, which apparently just, I guess, confirms that Hootie is the entire house, because it basically is just giving Hootie a bath. Sorry, uh, your name? Call me by your name is something different. Oh, okay. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that body swap stuff is never actually something I care about, really. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, the, the the whole yeah the whole bet is just to get Houdini back basically, which I guess would never end because Houdini is infinite. <laughs> uh, we we basically get a weird organization to this episode because it focuses on one character at a time rather than like shifting between each of them with like text on the top. I didn't actually write down what the text is for each of their segments, but we start with Ida's, where she basically just walks around getting treats from guards and just wearing sunglasses and being a little pampered brat like King usually is. When she comes across a uh, demon cat cafe, is the best way I could describe it, run by Dottie, and this person goes unnamed in the whole episode, but her name is Roselle. I don't remember if she's in the credits or just on the wiki, but I found out her name is Roselle. Okay. I think they're voiced by the same person. Uh, they basically take Ida King inside to feed and pamper her, basically trying to make her be their like latest addition to the cat demon cafe. But while she's in there, she's warned by... A cat who she calls Bowtie. I think he actually has an official name in the credits or something, <laughs> but I don't remember. But she calls him Bowtie, and he basically warns her to flee for her life. Ida tries to leave when they present her with a bumblebee outfit to put on, but they just prevent her from leaving, so she tries to run into the back room instead to escape, where she sees many baby demons, I guess. I don't know if they're babies, who knows? But they all have, like, basically have broken minds because they've just been warped with all the pampering. And she instead decides to get stuck inside the front display case to just attract customers. When she tries to go in the back, the old ladies say it's not time for her to be there yet, so... Yeah, which, I mean, yeah. They they seem to know and expect that this is going to happen to their animals, and they don't seem to care very much. No, I mean, I think that's, like, I think that's all the point. Like, they are just always taking, like like demons off the street to just do this too just to make more available for their customers to you know to draw more customers in <laughs> it's really really fuck <laughs> but yeah that's our section uh kings opens with him seeing the mean kids throwing water balloons that burst into tentacles i have no idea what the hell these things are <laughs> like i guess there's some sort of like magical creation because i mean they just burst into tentacles <laughs> Yeah, no, he he sneaks into their hideout because he's, like, trying to just get back at them. Decides to basically just announce himself, seals the water balloons and the flying boots from that kid with the green hair who never goes named or whatever. Uh, Basically just, like, does it to just throw the entire balloon into Bronesboro, like, the whole uh, batch of them to just explode into a giant tentacle. And basically just doing the show that he is, like, capable of much greater mischief than Basha to get teams on his side. They go around, uh, you know, Bonesboro causing mischief, especially with, like, calling the Owl House and just putting it in a big uh, echo chamber, like, speaker kind of thing to get everybody in Bonesboro to hear Cooney just ranting. <laughs> it's actual torture. But eventually, Basha decides to challenge him to a race on giant rat worms to regain her position. King, being a certified idiot, agrees to this and just gets fucking obliterated, falling off the... I guess it's a highway? Why do they have highways? (laughs) They don't have cars. (laughs) Whatever. I guess they ride the giant rat worms all the time to get to places. But whatever. (laughs) Yeah, no, he he falls off of there, crashes into their hideout, and just destroys it. So Basha rallies the kids against him to go and chase after him <laughs> just because they want to get back in him. He, on the way of running away from them, uh, hides out in the cafe and sees Zeta and uh, the adults, uh, Dottie and Roswell, uh, Roswell, tried to, like, you know, 
chase them out because they're just like, oh, no teens allowed. We don't like shitty teens in this place. Yeah, this is the second time we've seen something like this in a Disney Channel show where it's just old people who unreasonably hate teenagers. I don't know what's up with that, but it was in Gravity Falls well, well, too. Oh, okay. I never watched Gravity Falls, so I wasn't aware. Yeah, there was a thing with a haunted convenience store and the old man and the old lady ghosts were basically only hanging around because they hated teenagers and teenagers kept breaking into the store at night so they would come back to haunt it more. Ah, uh, gotcha. Sorry, but also they died away. because yeah. teenagers were breakdancing in the parking lot. Oh. <laughs> okay, well, continuing on, we don't have much fill off to this episode. We instead cut to Luz's segment, where she's having a hard time controlling Ida's magic, where she just basically makes, like, giant blasts of it, so... I, I, I like that she figures out how to control it by putting oven mitts on and just having two fingers poke out. <laughs> I don't know. This actually limits anything, considering that, I mean, it's always just drawing a spell circle with one finger anyway, mm -hmm. so I don't know why limiting the other ones prevents this, but whatever. Uh, yeah, no, she does that to basically, like, make a more elaborate sign to advertise the stand. She makes, like, a bunch of little, like, solutions for people, like making a giant pacifier for a baby and making that horrifying leg <laughs> with a bunch of legs. <laughs> Which, somehow, people like, because they're just like, oh, it's so, it's so hideous, I must have it. <laughs> But, of course, as Ida said earlier, this attracts the cops, who chain her because they finally catch her in the act. I don't know why it is that they needed to catch Ida in the act to actually arrest her, <laughs> considering they know she's a wanted criminal because she hasn't joined the coven. Yeah, uh, I mean, in the first episode, he just approached her booth. There was no catching yeah. in any act. Well, I mean, I guess he was still at, you know, like at the stand selling stuff, so they did still worry with the like catcher for selling i guess illegal items that's I true i seem to recall that she was yeah. selling without a permit yeah yeah it was that but i mean even then like she's still a wanted criminal because she didn't join a coven so it's like they really don't need to like have cause like can just go like based on that because she is a wanted criminal no they don't well, need whatever. to but they keep waiting for it and i don't know why yeah i, I think they're just lazy then or maybe it's really just Bellos is like it, she's really no threat overall. It's really just if, if we are if it's convenient and we find her, sure, whatever. But really, it's nothing. But yeah, no, they they take Eda loose uh, downtown where Lilith intercedes to prevent her from being straight taken straight to the conformatorium because she's just trying to convince air quotes Eda to join the coven willingly rather than having to like you know go through this whole roundabout way of getting imprisoned and everything uh really fucked up i didn't realize that this is different than how it was in convention but they just use like a glowing brand club to put the emperor's <laughs> coven mark on people that's not how they did it with the illusion one that we saw in convention no, super yeah no i think it's like maybe this is just like the more severe way or something yeah. for like branding i mean it must be more people if it let you use more magic so yeah maybe they have to do it like a little bit more directly like that with a fucking firebrand i guess but yeah no they, when they tried to like approach her with that she like uh accidentally like blows up the precinct by just like doing a full circle back to him while claiming that she's harmless just hypothetically uh, how do you think that would have gone over i mean if she had been a second or two slower and gotten branded do you think anybody would have been happy to have ida in the coffin not really I mean, Lilith, maybe, just because she wouldn't have to eventually resort to what she actually does to try to, like, blur Ida in, mm -hmm. but, like, no, I, I don't think everybody would have, because it's like, yeah, no, they, they don't like Ida anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, 
I don't know where Albert was in all this, but they did actually had taken him and like put uh like uh I guess like a weird like clasp around him to stop him from flying, but it doesn't stop him anyway because like he, like Luce just busts him out anyway. They run off. Well, I mean, basically, also, he just busts himself out. He breaks out. Yeah, yeah, he yeah he just he just flies through the bars. <laughs> so like. They, they really they did not do anything to actually stop our birds from escaping. Tiny little but whatever. Yeah, whatever. They run off. They also end up hiding in the cafe where she, King, and Ida all bust out with their respective groups chasing after them. Ida basically is like, "All right, everybody has learned the fucking lesson here, right? Okay, let's fucking reverse this shit." They get back in their normal bodies and instead turn the uh, body swap magic on everybody, on like the teens, the cops, Lilith, and like the people running the cafe instead and just escape and on the way while they go home like Luce is like maybe we should all work together to clean Hootie and of course Eden and King are just like not it and make <laughs> Luce do it because why not <laughs> there's still a little bit jerks to Luce at this point so of course they're gonna do that <laughs> but yeah n- nothing happened in this episode besides the fact that we learned that like Eden and Lilith originally wanted to join the Empress Coven together yeah like there's there's really nothing <laughs> There is the weird question of how Ida in King's body manages to undo the body swap spell since Luce has her magic now. Well, I mean, she has the she has Albert, and as we do see, like Luce can use like normal magic with Albert, like later on in the season one finale. Mm-hmm. Like it is mostly still just using her glyphs remotely with it, but it, like it is just like she's not as practiced with different magic, so that's why she probably just resorts to what she knows anyway, or at least replicating it. Fair enough. But yeah, no, I think I think it I think it is just that where it's like, oh yeah, no, she's like she has the staff, so she's able to do it. Oh, so it just adds uh, magic points, I get it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just a buff. <laughs> but uh I only have a few notes on that one before we go to episode nine. Uh nobody who knows what Ida is like would actually think that that's Ida while Luce is in her body. Her face is different, her voice is different. Nobody would be fooled by this, especially Lilith. Well, we don't know the face is different in canon. That could just be for the audience. I, I think it's I think it's really not supposed to be. I think it is that their face actually did change. Because like we see like you know, like uh you know, King and Luce's body has his eyes and everything. Yeah. But... Like like Eden King's body doesn't change as much, like she really only has her fang, but like I mean, like Luce's entire face has changed to just be Luce's face in Ida's body. Yeah, I just it's it's fairly common in body swap stuff for there to be some major indicator to the audience that the character is different, but not to anybody else. Like a lot of times even when they talk with the original character's voices, nobody will notice that their voice sounds different, you know? Yeah, I guess they're that. But I mean, I don't know. I mean I I don't want to go back to the bad series, but like I do know that that's just what they do in uh, Chamber of Secrets yeah. when the movie version even though the book is explicitly saying like they try to actually replicate their voices or they have their voice changed too because yeah. of course like people in watching movies aren't going to catch that as easily I don't know <laughs> but it's just like I don't know I feel like even just like the fact that like Luce and Ida's body is talking about Ida in the third person <laughs> it's like, I, feel like, I feel like Lilith would catch that something is going on here <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah uh I also just have a note here of the teens don't get that loose refers to themselves with the term king while king's in her body, but they still use femme pronouns for king in Luce's body. So, like, I don't know. <laughs> just, just a little observation I have, obviously, where I noted stuff like that. Hey, yeah, that's going to be hard for Luce to live down. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
But at the same time, Basha doesn't give a shit about Luz, so <laughs> maybe she just doesn't know that. <laughs> uh, I, oh yeah, I do. I, like, there's actually like two little bits that Luz says in this episode that I actually do like. I do like her little joyful. I made magic with my hands when she actually <laughs> does like do magic and eat his body properly without it blowing up. And I also like her little thing as she's running away from Lilith and the cops, just being like, if I was Ida and Ida was king, where would I be? And her just being frustrated after that because she's confusing herself. <laughs> just, just like a few like good loose lines in this nothing episode. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. I, I think I still like it better than um, Tibbles the other day. Uh, I, I guess, I don't know. It's like... At the least, like, that episode, like, is, like, focused a little bit more on Willow's backstory a bit with Amity, and, like, is the jumping-off point for understanding Willow. <laughs> Whereas, like, this one, it's like, yeah, nothing really comes from this episode. Nobody ever references the body spot stuff. We, I don't think we ever see the Cat Cafe people ever again. I mean, good, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're not good. But, yeah, no, I don't think we ever get anything like this coming from this episode like this is very much just the like kind of filler episode see i don't mind that too much i think filler can be fun it's certainly better than annoying story stuff yeah oh it's yeah just not much happens in it yeah, fair enough. enough yep all right well let's move on to the better episode of those two yeah well i mean there's something that happens in the episode <laughs> but yeah Let's move on to the better episode, something ventured, someone framed, which I never will remember. I actually had to look at it because I haven't typed in my notes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, pretty fun because they actually have a Gus focus episode here. Uh, we open on Gus holding a meeting of the Human Appreciation Society where he shows some human relics, in air quotes, of nail clippers, which is actually just a cheese grater, a whoopee cushion, which is actually just a bag of chips with an old flip phone attached to it, a food bowl, which is an umbrella hat with leaves and some yarn in it. A, question, a weapon with a question mark in it, like weapon? Which is actually just a Rubik's cube. So actually pretty accurate there, because yeah. I hate those things. And a paper clorp, which is just a paper clip. <laughs> to the, the fellow members, which consists of Eileen the Eyeball Potions Demon, if you remember <laughs> her, or like, she actually has an official name. Uh, the healing student is named Bo. I don't remember if we actually hear her name said in the show, but I just remember it Only being not on the this wiki. episode. Yeah, like it's it's said on the wiki, and I think she actually shows up later on. It's like being part of the uh, friendship is the real magic or whatever <laughs> scene. Uh, an unnamed goat kid in the bard track. I don't think this kid ever gets named, and I don't think he comes back ever. <laughs> And Matholomew, the construction track kid we saw in convention, who did the, like, making his head big spell, who I'm just going to call Maddie because he basically just call gets called Maddie in his next appearance anyway, and his actual name is kind of dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I never remember how to spell Matholomew, so I'm just going to call him Maddie. <laughs> uh, Maddie contests the authenticity of Gus's relics, claiming that at his old school, they had the real deal of relics, which we actually don't. I don't think he actually says that he went to Glandis in this episode, but we do find out later on in season two he used to go to Glandis. <laughs> I guess it's like that's a, like this is the first time we really get any glimpse of like any of the other schools that exist on the Boiling Owls because like he does say it's old school. But yeah, he dumps the pile of even more dubious items, which are just a rock labeled as a cell phone, 
an egg with a skull deal on it to claim that it's a human skull, and a pile of mud twigs and leaves claiming to be sports footwear. And he basically just, like, berates Gus's rule of not touching the human artifacts and uses this to try to win over the other students by letting them see the treasures. But Gus fears for his position as the president because the kids are starting to turn uh, against him in favor of Maddie, and instead challenges the authenticity of Maddie's items and says he can call in an expert of a real-life human who can denounce them or vouch for them. <laughs> Which, of course, is a very bad idea because the human he knows is still banned from the school. Gets its loose. Well, it is, but there's an easy solution, and that's to take them out of the school. Just have them meet up at the Yeah, you would think that they could just do that because I haven't even thought of that. <laughs> like... Gus knows where Luce lives. Uh-huh. He could just bring them there and solve this whole problem in two minutes. <laughs> but no, there wouldn't be an episode otherwise. But yeah, no, uh, we cut to him and Luce at the Emerald House where Luce tells him as much that she can't actually go because she's still banned. And while they're talking, Ida butts in saying that school is for dweebuses, which I just like that she pluralizes <laughs> dweebus. <laughs> Uh, and this causes Luce to stand her ground saying that she'd love to attend the school since it beats packing boxes of junk for Ida, which, Luce, you kind of sound like you're a bit ungrateful for the fact that Ida has been homing and feeding you for maybe, like, I guess maybe, like, close to three weeks at this point? I was like, it's been a whole month. Yeah, it's Because I got... Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, like, there was, like, a thing that was mentioned in the previous episode that, like, convention was actually a week before loss of language. So, like, we know it's been at least two weeks since Luce has been here because, like, I mean, we know episode four was a week after she had arrived, and, like, convention was probably not that much time between, so it's maybe, like, been, like, two and a half or three weeks by this point. Uh, Ida drops the bad girl covet name at this point, saying that Luce apparently doesn't want to join in and get in on the t-shirt, which, I have that shirt. <laughs> uh, but Luce just reiterates that she just wants to learn magic and not actually, like, waste her time, because, I mean, she's only here for, like, another two months anyway, presumably. Uh, Ida gets a bit frustrated and just walks off, and Gus at this point just lies, saying the ban was lifted and that he, like, worked some strings as the president of the HAS to get her accepted back to the school. Luce is stuck to go back in, and the next day, Willow just utterly roasts him for lying to their best friend. <laughs> Which, kind, kind of fast, uh, turnover there of just, like, the few weeks they've known Luce and already calling her their best friend. But, okay, I mean, I guess, like, at this point, like, Willow hasn't really had, like, any close friends besides Gus for most of her life, ever since, like, she and Amity split up. And, uh, uh, Gus shows Willow that he stole all the wanted posters, so Luce is just not aware that she's not actually allowed in the school. And he also has a cowl that he shoves on Luce's head and tells her to keep the hood up to hide her human ears till the big reveal. Uh, I especially like that this is, uh, not only the first time that we'll ever see Luce pull confetti out of her pocket. (laughs) Because she says that she'll, like, that uh, Gus will bring the razzle, she brings the dazzle, and throws confetti in Willow, like, actually remarks in this, like, do you always have confetti? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, before we continue with them, we cut back to Ida, just sitting outside the Owl House, complaining to Hootie about Hexide, claiming that it chews up anything you need and spits out bland mush, which, again, sounds much like the American education system, because no teachers really let you do stuff on your own, they always want you to do things their way. Also kind of sounds like Hootie. Uh, a little bit. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, Hootie's always remark on this stuff, being like, I turn things into mush. <laughs> but yeah, uh, we get a legit bit of introspection on the Ida's behalf, because she actually does admit that the bias towards the school is just that, her own <laughs> bias. And so she wonders if Luce would actually benefit from making her own choices and being at the school. 
uh, when Hudi brings up that Ida taught him everything he knows, and he turned out just fine while trying to grab a fly with his tongue, even though he can stretch, <laughs> Ida clearly is like, no, I gotta get that kid into school. <laughs> she needs this. Uh, we cut back to Hexad where we see some... I don't know if these things ever get named, but they're like some trouble-sniffing demons. I'm just gonna call them trouble demons, because we don't actually know anything about them, really. <laughs> Who are sniffing... <laughs> yeah. They're sniffing around for mischief, and they're like these guys in like these weird, like, looking mask and everything just sniffing around going trouble or whatever <laughs> uh they basically like see some troublemakers and drag them off to detention uh yep no gus says that they were brought into the school after Luce's last stunt so i guess it doesn't take much for bump to change the rules of the school it just makes one person sneaking in for him to actually change everything <laughs> They bump into Maddie, and Gus drops the London posters and tries to collect them while Maddie's, like, gloating about, oh, is this your human and everything? And then, like, Luce pulls off the hood and at Gus's provocation and, like, does freak out him because he's like, oh, no, they're going to know that I lied because they have an actual human here. <laughs> uh, but as they walk away, Maddie sees that Gus did not collect all the posters and left one behind, which clues him in that Gus and Luce are in deep shit. Because, <laughs> obviously, Luce is not supposed to be here. <laughs> Uh, Gus tries to drag Luce away from causing a scene with the most bones trophy case, which I I, I want to know who won most, most bones. This <laughs> is a funny joke. And also from the Abomination Professor, because she, like, she was like, remember me? Which I forgot that we did see this idiot again. <laughs> this fucking asshole. I don't think he ever shows up again after this, this thing. But also sometimes I would skip this episode on rewatch anyway, so maybe I forgot that he was here. Possible. But, hey, yeah. so just real quick. Mm -hmm. I have heard some people suggest that this is like some sort of grandfather, great grandfather to Amity because of the green hair and the abominations. Do you have? I I I did see that too. I saw like I think it's like somebody who posts comics on Twitter every day, like bringing this up that maybe he's the grandfather, but I don't think so because like I mean we never like get, like I mean we never see this guy really yeah. beyond this point so like it's like kind of hard to get that sense but I don't think that they would necessarily let the blight kids into the school if a family member was a teacher cuz like I remember this was a big thing where back when like at the end of my time in high school my mom got a job at the same school district but she wasn't allowed to teach at the same school really? my, me and my sister were there That's yeah fun. like it was yeah, it was like a, a whole thing of like, yeah, you, you can't actually teach at the same school. You can be in the same school district, but not the same school because it might cause like, I guess, conflict of interest if, you know, your kids are at the same school you teach at. Yeah, my mom was a uh, a substitute teacher and she taught my class quite a few times. So, Huh. I guess it's state by state. Though. I guess so. This would have been Illinois. Yeah, I mean, mine was New York, so maybe they just had different rules. I don't know. Yeah, no, we don't know because, like, this guy never showed up again and is not a character, so it doesn't matter, really. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Gus, you know, pulls her away to give her a full, long guided tour of the school just to try to, like, make sure she doesn't wander off and get into trouble. <laughs> uh, at this point, Ida meets up with Bump to discuss Luce, uh, lifting Luce's ban, which she actually agrees with because they might benefit from having a human exchange student. But to do so, he gives uh, Ida her entire rap sheet from when she was at school because she has to resolve all the shit that she left behind <laughs> that for some reason in the like 25 to 30 years, they just have never been able to clean up properly. <laughs> Which again, Bump, you can go ahead and hire trouble sniffing demons after like a couple weeks of somebody sneaking in, but you don't do anything about ghosts in the girls' locker room <laughs> for like two decades. Okay. 
this is like aside from that, it involves cleaning up extra graffiti on some lockers, and like this is like skipping around a little bit ahead of time, but I'll just bring it up here because like we don't see like the next time Eden bump private scene, it's like for only really short, but that's when she spots Bo and Skara helping each other with some snowball magic, mm-hmm. and noticing that they're just like being all like friendly and huggy and everything just remarks that Lucifer fit right in because Luce is just a dork. <laughs> uh going back a little bit in time we see gus show loose the grudgeby field which is like the first time we see that he also shows her the plant track homeroom where willow is in there and just glares at gus after smiling at waiting at loose because <laughs> he's just very disapproving of it and his own homeroom the illusion track where we see an illusion gus supposedly taking notes which he holds up the piece of paper saying, I'm not paying attention, and <laughs> Gus just fully threatens to just cut his throat by doing that whole motion across his neck. <laughs> which wasn't expecting that when I first saw this episode. <laughs> like, just like the whole, like, yep, I'm gonna kill my illusion, do- no, doppelganger. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that he had the ability to create, like, autonomous entities. He's a lot stronger than I thought. Yeah, it's like, it's it kind of gets into a little bit of a discussion with that, because, like, this is something that comes up in the first day episode, because Gus just used his illusions to make uh, Willow's plant monster stronger. So it's like, I don't know if there's, like, a sub part, like, a sub uh, study of illusions that is, like, a supportive kind of spell that, like, can actually, like, make stuff that interacts with the physical world. Because, <laughs> I mean, he is, I mean, his illusion is holding a piece of paper and a pencil and like writing stuff even if he's not paying attention but it's like i don't i don't i don't, I don't understand how this thing exists so whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah no like gus at this point like one loose like remarks that he's good at his magic he says that yeah he got bumped up a few grades because i think i'm pretty sure gus is 12 i think that's so, like, he would, like, be, yeah it's like he'd be like two grades lower normally uh, they then go to the HAS meeting where Maddie pretends to panic and and admits that he faked his items because he finds it hard to make friends, which I guess is also hinting at when we see the Glendis kids proper in season two because they're assholes. But yeah, no, he uh, after like you know winning over everybody else and everybody else leaves, like he immediately turns around on them and betrays Luce to the Trouble Demons because his whole idea was to you know try to get the presidency of the HAS himself. <laughs> Uh, as Luz gets pulled towards attention, Willow sees her getting pulled into by the trouble demons and decides to follow after them. Uh, Gus gets himself and Maddie in trouble in retaliation by pulling the fire alarm, <laughs> so that's why they can get into the detention room to help free Luz. Uh, I don't know if the detention monster has a name at all. It's just like this like weird sarlacc pit looking thing with a bunch of like snake worm tentacle things that have like faces and hiss and stuff, and apparently are just capable of like talking like normal because like they talk to bump after he tells him to stop <laughs> but yeah no it uh it immediately just wrecks maddie after he's like follow my lead if you want to get out of here i've been in detention a whole lot and he just gets melee just one shot and just like put into like some like hypnosis tentacle pod thing trying to teach him to be a good student i don't know what this thing is <laughs> but whatever but yeah no uh gus admits loose that he lied about the band because of the pressures of the hs being like the only place he really belongs due to being overlooked for his younger age which loose forgives him pretty easily but like you know just says like hey i just wish you were honest and said so it's like hey yeah it's like another like good like stepping stone for like when we actually get the next Gus episode which unfortunately is kind of overshadowed by the lumini in it but it's it's still a good episode for gus and maddie next time we see them again <laughs>
Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, nobody really talks about that episode in any context besides the kiss, unfortunately. Two friends. <laughs> I hmm? can't believe Gus only has two friends and Matholomew. <laughs> uh, pretty well. I mean, maybe he has three by the end of that episode with Maddie. Yeah, uh, they basically decide to work together to free Maddie because they don't want to leave anybody behind. They sure leave the other students behind, though. <laughs> Not I thought about that. <laughs> Yeah, no, they they left. They leave the rest of those kids behind. They only free Maddie. <laughs> like they basically, uh, which is like very funny that it's like you know we think back to like episode one with Luz having a weak nerd on, so when like they she lifts up Maddie very easily, remarking on how little he is. So I guess Luz is getting strong just from helping out Ida over the last few weeks. <laughs> but they also just like after they manage to get away from the Starlight Pit thing, they use a giant bone in there, which I guess this thing ate something to make. Uh, they use that to charge at the door to use that the battering ram to get outside as Willow's lifting the bar that's on the outside which, why did they have a fucking bar to stop the students from getting out so easily? <laughs> <laughs> that seems really fucked up that they're locking the students in detention. Especially because like, we later see the well, I guess the other detention track is like a temporary placement while the, the proper detention is being fixed. Yeah. After this. Yeah, uh, at that same exact time, of course, Ida and Bump walk by with Bump assuring Ida that he won't rat them out to Neighbor's Coven. Just as soon as Luce and Gus break down the door, Bump is just pissed and about to turn on the deal with Ida, but Gus steps in admitting that everything that's happened was his fault because he lied about the ban being lifted and all. He allows Gus to take Luce's punishment and instead gives up his position as the president of the HAS to allow Luce to attend Hexide instead. And just throws the HAS crown at Maddie, impressively still alive. <laughs> Which again, bump, you shouldn't have a print, uh, detention room that apparently just has resulted in bodies because you're impressively still alive and escaped. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Ida takes Luce aside just to tell her that she trusts her to learn a lot of the Hex side, refute the one-track status quo, which we will likely see she does, and spread a bit of the bad girl coming chaos at the school with Bump pretending to not hear that at all. <laughs> and at that, Gus, Willow, and Luce go to go on a tour of the rest of the school, and we get a pretty funny, like, end scene where it opens up on uh, Ida's rap book where it's showing different uh, instances of what she did at her time at school <laughs> which I have them listed here as she was responsible for the ghost in the locker room which we had seen before <laughs> she raised an abomination army to get back a, uh, at a student who stole Lilith's lunch money before they and the thief had to team up to stop the abominations when they revolted I don't know how abominations revolt maybe if you're not as practiced at that magic <laughs> they can act on their own or something uh, they she had enchanted the bells to sing pop songs for five hours, released the school griffin and fed it spicy snacks until it vomited all of the goods field, and had let loose two and that quote from what the person in the book wrote, bug things that really just tore up the place. Oh man, I'm getting so tired of writing these things, and now I'm just writing down what I'm thinking. Oh no, I hope nobody actually reads these. I should take a day off. It's been years since my overlords take let me take a day off. <laughs> And yeah, it's just, it, it's funny those things, but you need to obviously like pause the video to see yeah. since you wouldn't actually be able to see them and read them when it's not time. And it just ends with Lucy marking that Ida really was a terrible student. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, I think I actually don't have as many notes for this one because like there's really like not like as many like, like behind the scenes things to notice. Uh, it's really just like a few things where I have where 
On the background at the very start, I like the uh, two lesser rules for the HAS, which are those being no role playing as humans, see the human fantasy club down the hall, and stop asking about human blood. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I had not noticed those before until I actually saw that. Yeah, I did see them uh, playing one, but I missed the blood thing. Yeah. <laughs> I also just really like when... Uh, when Gus pulls uh, Luce away from Willow at the start, when Willow's trying to convince Gus not to go through with this, mm -hmm. I just like Luce's old, bye friend, be safe, make good choices, that she says. <laughs> like, it's just like, the silly, like, uh, cadence of how Luce says it is just very funny to me. Yes, yes, especially since it's not advice she would follow at all. No, like, Luce does not make good choices ever. <laughs> and, uh... It's also just, like, a little thing of, like, I guess the Boiling Owls must just use a different school calendar, because, like, Bum says that Luce would be enrolled next semester at Hexide, so it's, like, I guess maybe this is close to the end of one semester, and they don't have, like, much time between semesters, but also, like, their semester starts in the summer, I guess? <laughs> Unless, like, maybe they follow, like, the same uh, calendar, but their seasons are different, like, maybe it's, like, kind of like a north hemisphere or south hemisphere kind of deal well, it could be where they kind of just went you know there are some schools that just go to school all year round but they have a lot more break days as a concept yeah yeah it's kind of like how like in japan like you only get like about a month off near like uh, like like i think like end of july through august and then come back in september to school but you have like other times like you have like the entirety of golden week off at the beginning of, of march right. after school begins in like mid-april Admittedly, a lot of my memory of that is coming from playing the Persona games, so I could be wrong in some of it in the dates. I just remember most of that because of that. Less so me actually having lived in Japan for half a year, more me playing Persona. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's just a, it's a little observation where it's like their school year is weird. Also, why would Bump at this point not mention that Luz has to know at least two spells to not be put in the baby class? <laughs> like, Luz only finds out like a week before school begins and not at all from any educator. She finds out from Amity by accident. <laughs> so it's like, Bump, why would you not bring this up? Especially when like it's this common knowledge between like witches that humans aren't really capable of magic. Why would you not mention this? Well, maybe he just assumed she was going to be in the baby class because humans can't do magic. Maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe it's just a case. Or maybe either just like, maybe he discussed with Ida being like, did she know two spells? And Ida's just like, yeah, fucking yes. Of course she knows two spells. Lying her ass <laughs> off. I don't know. Yeah, that's really like all I have like notes wise for that episode it's kind of more of a straightforward episode it's like it's it's progressing the plot yeah. along to get us into where we are in a few episodes from here thank you for your excellent summaries that was a pretty big chunk of change you got there i had like a bunch of trivia we can go through as well oh yeah Please. go ahead Junk. yep okay uh there's a lot about voice actors again this week uh Edric's voice actor, Ryan O'Flanagan, he's actually, like, not as on TV. He he played Mr. Kraz on American Vandal. I don't, like, know anything about that, but apparently that's, like, one of his, like, well-known roles. But he's also well-known for being a comedian on Comedy Central. Huh. So, there's that with him. Uh, Emma's voice actress, Erica Lindbeck, is much more prolific. Uh, she voiced Ritsuko Akagi in the Netflix redub of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Mm -hmm. She played Futaba Sakura in Persona 5, currently plays Luna in Hell of a Boss, and had apparently played Millie in the pilot before she just became Luna in the full show. 
Shakti played Momoko Togame, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, in Magia Record, Puella Magai Madoka Magica Side Story. I hope I also pronounced all that right. I've never actually watched Madoka, uh. but I know I know people say it's good. I know the thing that happens in like episode three. I know that at least. <laughs> uh, she's also Celica in Fire Emblem Echoes and Heroes, Shion in Tales of Arise, and Jesse in Final Fantasy VII Remake. Oh. Yeah, she's pretty well known in a lot of like RPGs in particular. Uh yeah. But the, there. Yep. Uh continuing on, the Backlean's voice actress, Isabella Rosalini. I hope I'm pronouncing her last name right. Uh again, I'm not as familiar with any of these, but I do recognize her from a few. She played Dorothy Valens in Blue Velvet and Lacelle von Rumen. Yeah, and in Death Becomes Her. Like, those are her two most <laughs> known roles. I, again, don't know any of those, but she also plays Pat in Tuken Birdie. And again, I don't remember who this character is, but she played Ambassador Henrietta Selick in The Incredibles 2. I only ever watched The Incredibles 2 once because it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Pity, considering how long we had to wait for a sequel to The Incredibles, and then it was bad. It was fine. Eh, it's kind of nothing. Yeah, yeah uh, continuing on, uh, Maddie's voice actor, uh, Jorge Diaz, played Oho, Ojo, I don't actually even know how to that, in Lost in Oz, Melvin Sneedley in the epic tale of Captain <laughs> Underpants, and Hector in Paranormal Activity, the, uh, Paranormal Activity, the Marked Ones. Again, no context for any of those, because I haven't seen any of that. I'm very familiar with Melvin Sneedley, I can tell you that much. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's the same voice actor. Uh... Just other things here. Uh, the bunny lunch bag that Edric has for Amity is an allusion to one of Beta Amity's designs having a bunny doll. <laughs> Very a weird pull there, but yeah, I remember seeing that in like some of the beta art of her. Uh, the uh, so apparently Luce's voice actress uh, Sarah Nicole Robles actually said that Lost in Language is her favorite episode overall. Which is a good one to pick, considering it is like the start of like Luce and Amity being friends. Uh, yeah, and like some of those books, like you already mentioned the name of some of them, but like Nightlight is a play on Twilight because it even has like basically the same cover art. And one of the books basically has Utena from uh, fucking I forget the full name of it. Whatever Utena's full title is on it. <laughs> And then, like, uh, just other things here. The Witch Wears Weekly magazine that Luz picked up, that, like, changed her outfit, made her basically look like Cloud from Final Fantasy VII, and the magazine even had someone that looks like Sephiroth on it. <laughs> so, funny pull there. Uh, just, like, general other little things. Obviously, we mentioned the, little, the My Little Pony reference to Frenzy Does Magic, but Luz also introduced herself by doing a moonwalk into the HAS. <laughs> uh, it is permanent record. Obviously, Red is Ghostbusters and the musical groups Boys to Men and 30 Seconds to Mars based on the music that she had the, the bell play. <laughs> uh, the plants in the plant home that try to eat Amelia basically are just full-on prana plants. Like, there's really no getting around that. They just look like prana plants. <laughs> and also, just, like, probably, like, the most actual, like, interesting thing of all those, uh, basically, episode 9 does reveal that Ida was in the potions track while at Hexide and had orange hair in her youth. And it's also the first time we hear her last name is Clawthorn. <laughs> Yeah, and we don't we don't see it in we don't see it in here based on like knowing that Lilith went to school at the same time, but we also later find out that Lilith was also in the same track. Very cool. Yeah, 
It's a big meaty one. <laughs> Fortunately, we don't have a whole lot else. Uh, we have more crimes for Luz because she did cause a lot of public disruption in the library, uh, committed even more trespassing back in the Hexide, and did a lot of public property damage assisted by Gus. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yep. good, add, good to add up to the tally. Yep. <laughs> I know you've just been talking a lot, but did we questions this week? <laughs> Uh, no, we actually didn't get any this time. Okay, that's all well and good. Yep. But uh, in the future, if you want to send us questions, we're available at usweirdoscast and at usweirdoscast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, where you can send us questions about all sorts of stuff relating to the L House and not. Honestly, just whatever you want us to talk about. We yeah, can... whatever you <laughs> say. But uh, in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at patch underscore jacket, where I have recently been retweeting kind of a lot of things. I actually made one of my own original tweets once for once. Wow, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can find me at, at Mir Quill, that's M-Y-R underscore Quill. And aside from that, I still have the artist plug, which you haven't done yet. Yes, yes. One, That's two. a lovely thing. Yep, this is, yeah, this is kind of a quicker one. Uh, I'm going to plug Skyblob this week. Uh, her handle is at HaloGensgen. That's H-A-L-O-G-E-N-S-H-E-I-N. Uh, she makes a lot of, like, I guess you could call it kind of like chibi artwork of, like, Owl House, Amphibia, and Arcane. She's the person that made the pretty popular uh, doodle of Amity sitting on the floor with the t- with the word gay on her head. <laughs> it's a very good one. Uh, she's, you know, done like the uh, spoof of the uh, dressing up and traveling together of Luz and Amity walking along, holding a suitcase with King sitting on it in like a little like jacket and scarf. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm just trying to see other ones real quick. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a lot of just like more Owl House and Amphibia ones. Uh, oh yeah, she's also the person who did the uh, Obey the Headpat Lord Amity, or uh, a loose get, uh, joke of like her trying to convince everybody to be nice to Amity because she's her girlfriend now, so like petting uh, or patting Hootie on the head to try to like get him to cooperate, doing it with King, and also just petting Amity on the head, even though she hasn't actually asked her anything <laughs> at all. <laughs> so it's a lot of like, just like, you know, just like how it usually is with me, with who I recommend. Just a lot of, like, cutesy shit in terms of stuff like this. And also one of uh, Lilith wearing a cat hoodie with a little with some kitties hanging around her. <laughs> well, I mean, yep. cutesy stuff is in yeah. high demand these days. Yeah, like, the, the world is shit, so yes, uh, most of the time whenever I talk about an artist here, it's gonna be, oh yeah, they do a bunch of cute shit. That makes me just be happy. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, well, do you have anything else, or are we good for today? Uh, I think that's it. It's a big one, but it shouldn't be nearly this long until, like, maybe when we get to Grom and Wing of Leg Witches, because that's going to be a lot. <laughs> hey, we didn't hit two hours. We're good. Yeah. Um, Still, I think, you know, we only went, like, maybe, like, 20 minutes longer than usual. Yeah, something like that. I'll figure out after yep. the edit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I had to dip to go to the bathroom. <laughs> But uh, yeah, other than that, I guess there is nothing left to say. But uh, until next time, remember, us weirdos have to stick together. Us weirdos have to stick together. Bye. Bye.